Let us turn for our scripture reading, which is found in the Gospel of Matthew and the chapter 7. The seventh chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. This is the word of the Lord. Let us come and hear God's word. And the Lord truly help us. The Lord give us hearts and minds to receive his word to the glory of his name and to the God of our souls. Let us hear the word of God. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how would thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again, and rend you. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that asketh uh, seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. For what man is there of you whom his son asks bread? Will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven Give good things to them that ask him. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns, or figs of thistles? Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, 
I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Amen. This is God's word. May the Lord be pleased to bless the reading of his word here this afternoon and draw near to us. Let us pray. Well, dear friends, I ask you to please turn your prayerful attention to those words that I read to you earlier in your hearing there in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. This afternoon, as we gather for worship, this now being the last Saturday of our special Saturday meetings, of the year and our young people's meetings. Over this last year, we have been considering the difference between what it is to be a saved person and what it is to be a lost person, what it is to know God and what it is to not know God, what it is to fear God and what it is to not fear God. There is a tremendous amount of error and confusion not only amongst churches, but especially amongst young people today, about what it really means to be a Christian, what it means to be saved, whether we truly are the Lord's, whether we're ready to die and ready to face the judgment. Of course, sinners are only saved by grace in the Lord Jesus Christ through faith. But that faith is not without works. Faith, as James tells us, without works is dead. And what are those works? Those works are displayed by fruit, fruit unto God. Romans chapter 7 tells us that we are no longer married to the law, but we are married to another, that is the Lord Jesus, who became the end of the law for righteousness to all who believe upon him. Now that does never mean that we abrogate the law when we come to faith in the Lord Jesus. Paul says in Romans 3.31, Do we make void the law through the coming of faith? He said, God forbid. Nay, rather, we establish the law. The Christian never jettisons the law of God from his life. And the law of God is good. We are to, as Samuel Bolton said, frame our lives by the law of God. The law sends us to the gospel. And the gospel sends us back to the Lord to frame our lives. And those lives are seen by lives bearing fruit unto God. In this chapter, we see that the Lord Jesus says that every tree, and here he's not speaking in verse 19 about literal trees. In one sense, he is. He says, just look at a tree. Every tree is known by its fruit. An orange tree, what does it bear? It bears oranges. It doesn't bear thorns and thistles, but it bears oranges. That's what you expect from it, don't you? 
You don't expect apples from an orange tree and vice versa. But every tree is known by its fruit. And so he says also you shall know his people by their fruit. Verse 19, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. He has been speaking earlier in verse 15 and following about false teachers and empty professors. People that say that they have faith. There are many that will say, Lord, Lord, open up unto us. And he will say, depart from me, ye who work iniquity. And he says in verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Make the connection there. He's drawing by way of illustration and analogy of a tree. And so we are to be called, as Isaiah says, trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Now there is a verse in Luke's Gospel, chapter 13, where the Lord Jesus addresses the Jewish leaders of his day, hypocritical people who thought that they were upright and right before God. The nation Israel, by and large, were like that. And he gives them a parable. It's the parable of the fig tree. And then he said in verse 7 of Luke 13, unto the dresser of the vineyard, behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? That was spoken in relation to Israel, for the Lord Jesus for three years had ministered by and large to Israel, and there was no fruit. There was no fruit of repentance. There was no godly living, and it's only by God. Make the tree good, and the fruit will be good. And while salvation is entirely of God, remember this. Hypocrites will make excuses. They will say, I have fruit. They will say, I am righteous. They are self-deceived. And part of my task here this afternoon is to unmask anyone that is perhaps self-deceived. The word hypocrite has to do with acting. It's an old word in actually the Greek. And it really means somebody who is masked. And we can easily play an act, can't we? And pretend that we are a child of God. But the Lord says, the tree is known by its fruit. Now, we have been considering, as I said, over our series of meetings, what is truly a, a Christian? Because there is so much confusion, there's so much error in the churches. And as I said, especially amongst young people, there's a very shallow, superficial kind of Christianity that's being taught. And maybe there might be somebody here that is like that. I don't know. The Lord knows the hearts of everyone. And maybe that's exactly what you have and is describing you here. There are those sort of people that say, well, as long as you believe the very central doctrines of the Bible, as long as you believe certain truths, Fundamental, the cardinal truths. You must believe in Jesus Christ. You must believe that he is the only way. You might even say, yes, I believe that. And let me say this, we cannot enter the kingdom and unless we truly know that 
But partly entering into that kingdom means a changed life. It fundamentally means that. But there are many that say, well, you know, if you just believe certain things, that makes you a Christian. So long as you have these certain truths, so long as you sign up to them, well, you're a Christian, you're a child of God, all is well. And they say, well, then it doesn't really matter so much how you live, what you practice in the life. But the Lord is revealing that such thinking has nothing to do with those who are part of the kingdom of heaven. And really, he's been teaching this from Matthew chapter 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And here in chapter 7 is the close of the Sermon on the Mount. He's ending his discourse. He's coming to his grand conclusion. Now, I want to do this afternoon. It's not my usual practice. My usual practice normally is to take a verse and to preach on a verse. But what I want to do is to look at this chapter as a whole and then come to the exhortation verses which we really find in verse 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. So we'll come to those verses really at the end, because those are the words of exhortation to this passage, this exhortation for the sinner who truly does not know the Lord. And God is perhaps dealing with them in their hearts. Well, there are many, let me say, who say, well, you can just believe what you want and live how you like. It doesn't matter how you treat your body, how you live your life. And there are many who have no accountability to God. They're not a part of the body of Christ. They certainly don't act like it. They say they're in the body, but they have nothing to do with the body of Christ, which of course is the local church represented. And they live this sort of uh, loner life, loner Christian life. There's no accountability. Well, what is it to be a Christian? Let me say this before we begin this afternoon. Maybe some of the things that I'm going to say will hurt your feelings. And let me say this, the devil wants you to pay attention to your feelings. But God wants you to pay attention to his word this afternoon. Feelings may be hurt, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. God's word sometimes is very painful. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus in Matthew, sorry, John 8.51. He said, verily, verily. He said, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. But if you don't keep his saying, if you don't receive his words, as we're reminded here, you're, you're like a fool, and you will perish. If you're not somebody that will heed God's word, you will perish. In Matthew 11, 6, Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Will you be offended at the things that I preach? from this pulpit this afternoon? Or will you receive God's word? He says also in John twelve forty eight, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. You cannot detach the Lord Jesus Christ from his words. You might have said, well, I've received Jesus. I believe he's my Savior. But hear what he has to say. He that rejecteth me and receiveth 
not my words, as one that judgeth him. He'll be your judge. The word that I've spoken, the same shall judge him, he says, in the last day. So this word will judge you if you do not receive it. Now it's very clear. The beginning of the Acts of the Apostles, how when the church began to grow, how those who were being saved gladly received the word. Acts 2, verse 41, we read, And they that gladly received his word were baptized. On the same day there were added to them about 3,000 souls. So all those that received the word were baptized. Not a single exception. And they were added to the church. And furthermore, what did they do? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And there's a teaching and fellowship. They were steadfast in it. They received the truth. And what did they do? They broke bread. You do not break bread with people that are not added to the church and do not want to be part of it. And there are so many like that. So will I live my Christian life how I want? And, uh, well, I don't need to be accountable to the body of Christ. Well, you read 1 Corinthians chapter 5 where Paul has to deal with a very unruly church member. And he says, you better get that man out of the Lord's table in effect because he's defiling the church. You ought to be an unleavened lump. He said, no, it's not. The little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Let me say this, a Christian life, and the church is to be a holy place. The Bible tells us, and without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Salvation is simply not believing on the Lord Jesus. It is that, but it's receiving his word. It's receiving the ministry of his word, and it's being changed by it. Well, where are we this afternoon? Now, let me just begin by opening up this chapter. You notice verses 1 to 5. And in verses 1 to 5, we've been considering with the children in the Sabbath school. But let me open it up a little bit more. What he's dealing with here is some of the most commonly distorted words in all of the Bible. There are those that say, oh, well, you see, It says here, judge not. So therefore, the Christian should never make judgments. That's what some people say. Should never reach conclusions about people. But he's already said in this chapter, you will know people by their fruit, and there will be some people who will be pig-like and dog-like. That's how they act. They are repelled when they come to the Word of God. Well, we read here, In the opening, we can divide this chapter in various sections. But first of all, we have some warning verses. And let this be a warning to us all, Christian and non-Christian. There's a warning against not judging yourself. Did you hear that? A warning against not judging yourself. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. For with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured unto you. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? 
Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, then thou shalt see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. He's not here saying we don't reach conclusions, because he goes on to say in the next verse, don't give to the dogs and the pigs those things that are holy. So you have to have reached an assessment about certain people. And you you better do that, because these people will harm you. They will hurt you. They're a waste of time to speak to. They're not really saved. And so you've had to have some conclusion. But here he's, he's talking about the person that is trying to do eye surgery on somebody, metaphorically speaking, that has a great big beam in his eye, himself. But he's trying to take some minuscule sin and deal with some minuscule sin in somebody else's life. What he's dealing with here is what we call censoriousness. A hypercritical spirit. You see, the whole point is we have to judge ourselves. Paul tells us in Corinthians, if we will judge ourselves, then we will not be judged. Yes, we must examine our own hearts. We must assess ourselves. We must have an honest appraisal of our own hearts. And the only way we can do this, young people, is by coming to the Word of God. For the Word of God is like a mirror. And let me ask you that question. How much do you read of God's Word? Because it is the Word of God, and it is by the law of God that our sin is revealed to us. For by the law cometh the knowledge of sin. How, the psalmist says, shall a young man cleanse himself? By taking heed unto thy commandments. It is by taking heed to God's word. But here what he's dealing with is the person that comes along trying to correct somebody and they are not examining their own lives. And this is a a sin, a warning against not judging yourself. We often see our other people's sins right before our eyes, but our own sins, as Martin Luther said, always behind our back. But then there's the warning about those who are like dog-like and pig-like. And he says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine. What is holy? Well, the word of God. The truth is holy. And, you know, quite frankly, some people are not going to receive the truth. They don't want to hear it. They get their backs up. And all of a sudden, you're trying to do them good. You're trying to speak to them about something important, something that offends God. And all of a sudden, they are the victim. Have you noticed that? We've noticed this in terms of church discipline. There are people that we've had to deal with, but all of a sudden they become the victim. Whereas in essence, it's been God that has been offended, it's been the church that has been shamed, but all of a sudden they are the victim. Well, this is how the ungodly are. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. The meek receives the word. The meek receives admonition. But when it comes to correcting certain people, you know them by their fruit. They are like the dog who goes back to the vomit, Peter says. 
2 Peter 2.21, For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, The dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow, or the pig, that washed to her wallowing in the mire. These people, the dog is ignorant. He'll eat anything. He'll eat even his own vomit. And the pig, he wallows in the filth. And John tells us the whole world lieth in sin. Now this proverb here, it's spoken of in Proverbs 26, 11, The dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool to his own folly. And that's how people are. You can't admonish a fool. And if you're not prepared to be admonished this afternoon, let me say, from God's holy word, you're a fool. Because you're only harming your soul, and judgment is soon to come upon you. Now, what he's dealing with there, as we've said, is the warning of not judging ourselves, and then the warning. Be very careful how you deal with certain people, because they will trample you. You've got to, as it were, shake off the dust from your feet and move on. Some people will cause you great harm. Always speak the truth, but carry on. We've got to exercise judgment in the right way. The world will say, judge not. But they don't even read what is said here. Judge not. That's somebody said once. It's the, fa- the, the devil's favorite verse. You see? The Bible says, judge not. So we can be all embracing. Is that what the Lord is saying? No. He said, you'll know some people are not only dog-like and pig-like, but you'll know everybody by their fruit. You have to reach an assessment. He's dealing with censorship. Spirit, a terrible spirit. And so the implicit context here is a hypercritical and a condemning spirit. And that is not what a Christian should have. When he goes... And he corrects somebody, he goes with a meek spirit and restores that person if he's truly a Christian. Now, so much for that. Dealing with this self-righteous spirit. Christian doesn't have it. He looks inwardly and he examines what is right in God's eyes. And then you'll notice in verse 7 to the verse 11, there's a reminder to trust in the unspeakable goodness of God to those who humbly ask of him. Now those people, God's people, we know this, if you're a Christian, you will be persecuted by the world. First of all, by your, because of your godly living. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, Paul said, will suffer persecution. And men will hate you, men will despise you because of your good works even. And even when you try to correct people, you'll be hated. Do you know how much some people hate preachers? I hate them very much. Can't stand the sight of them. But we're not here to be liked. We're here to preach the truth because it's, it's important because we care more about men's souls. Now, there's a reminder in verses 7 to 11 to trust in the unspeakable goodness of God to those who humbly ask him. He says, ask and it shall be given. Seek, you have a need in your life. What he's saying is depend upon God. God who is so good, who gave his only begotten son, how will he not also along with him freely give the Christian all things? 
Trust in God. You may have a difficult life. The world may hate you. The world may despise you. And some of you young people, you're going to be fathers one day, or maybe mothers. And he says here, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, and one day you'll have children, some of you, and you'll know what to give them, how much more, your heavenly Father, will he give good things to them that ask of him? How good God is. God is so good that he gave his only begotten Son. And whatever need we have, do you not think that God knows the need? Maybe you're struggling in a trial. Maybe everything is difficult in your life. You've got to learn to trust. The more faithful we are in the Christian life, let me say this, the harder we're going to find it, but the more we're going to find God's help. And the more we're going to find his faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. Not one thing that he has promised will he ever forsake or will he neglect to give. The Lord God is a sun and a shield and no good thing will he withhold from them, my friends, that walk uprightly. Paul says, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? All things he will. So that's what we have in those verses. We're just going through and then we're coming to the thrust of this passage. Then fourthly, the connection. Notice the connection with asking of God for ourselves and for others. Now make the connection with me. You see the word therefore in the verse 12. Now whenever we find a therefore, we've got to ask what is it therefore. And it normally is following on from what has been said. You ask God. And what are you asking God for? Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do even to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Behind verses 10 and 11 is the spirit of somebody who is asking for good gifts that he may serve God in this life. He's not asking for things that he might serve himself. This person is seeking to live for God. And that's why the therefore is there. Therefore all things whatsoever you would do to men, that men should do to you, do even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. You know what Confucius said? Confucius said, don't do things to men that you wouldn't want them to do to you. Now that's a rather selfish way, isn't it? When you stop and you think about it. Don't, if you don't want somebody to bang you on the head, don't bang them on the head. But rather here is the positive. You do to people what you want them to do to you. Do you see the positive aspect? Confucius, his teaching was rather shallow. But the Christian, he seeks the betterment of somebody else's life by knowing what is good for him and what is the best good that you can do for somebody. To be faithful to them. To be a true witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. To do people good. What is the chief commandment? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind and thy strength. And to love thy neighbor as thyself. You see, that's the spirit behind verse 12. Whatever you want others to do to you, 
as a true Christian, as a true man, or girl, or boy before God, you do to them. And sometimes that means having to say some pretty hard things. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? It does mean that. It's not just... I mean, you, you think about it, for some people, to do good to them is to flatter them. Oh, do good to me. Speak well of me. Flatter me, would you? Would you make me feel good? Would you make me feel at ease in this world? Would you want that? Somebody to flatter you? Somebody to boost your ego, my friend? Somebody to draw you into this world? Or somebody that draws you to Christ? That's really the teaching here, isn't it? This is really the life of a Christian. He's seeking the glory of God not only in his own life, but in somebody else's life. You see, Mr. Confucius was rather shallow in his teaching. Just if you want a comfortable life, don't burn other people's houses. You know, don't, don't do this, don't do that. If you don't want it to happen to you. But the Lord Jesus says, no, you do good. As your Father is in heaven, do even good to your enemies. And sometimes you have to speak very hard truths. You see, we're saved by God, our Heavenly Father, to live for His glory. I read a marvelous quote this morning by St. Augustine, and he said this There can only be two basic loves. The love of God unto the forgetfulness of self, or the love of self unto the forgetfulness and denial of God. Maybe some of you saw that quote. Let me read it again. There can only be two basic loves. The love of God unto the forgetfulness of yourself. You forget about yourself. This is why Paul says, my life is now hidden in God in Christ Jesus. I no longer live. That's the first love. Or the love of self unto the forgetfulness and denial of God. And that's how some people live. Oh, I've got God. He's my God. He's my Savior. But I want Him so I can just live how I want. You see what I'm saying? That is the shallow living that so many young people are being taught today. How difficult is this life? It's impossible for man. You remember the young man that came to our Lord Jesus. And he came running, good master, what must I do? To have eternal life. And he told him. And actually the young man said, I've kept all God's commandments. The Lord clearly revealed to that young man that he, he hadn't actually kept the commandments and his great love was his riches and his wealth. And he went away sad because the Lord showed him this man was not prepared to give up what he had. The riches, the promotion, and the good name that he had. He couldn't give it away. He couldn't lose his life. 
He didn't want to lose it. And he said to Peter then, he said, Peter said, who then can be saved? And then the Lord Jesus said, with man it's impossible. But with God all things are possible. He said, it's, it's harder for a rich man, a man that's holding on to his life and his goods, to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. How small is the eye of a needle? It's minuscule. How large is a camel? It's huge. It won't get through. And so this is why we come to verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. The Lord is that gate. If you are the Lord's, you have, as it were, if you've gone in your mind's eye to Calvary, you've died. When Pilgrim, as it were, saw the cross, he had a burden, didn't he? His sin upon his back. And it rolled away. And the world seemed to fade away into insignificance. And he began his journey, didn't he? To the celestial city. And let me say that entering in, Christ is the door, as we'll see. I am the door. If any man enter therein, he may be saved. But he is the door that leads to, as we read here, a narrow way. It's a narrow life. The Christian life is a self-denying life. It's a life lived for God. He says in verse 15, Beware of false prophets or false teachers, literally the word. To prophesy can mean to teach. There will be false teachers that say, well, basically, you know, the, as long as you believe in the Lord Jesus, it doesn't matter how you live, my friend. And uh, these people that tell you there's a narrow way, you've got to walk in that narrow way. And these preachers that say, and without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Well, they're just a bunch of legalists. That's what the false teachers say. That's what they will say. You live your life for yourself. Don't live for God's glory. This is your best life. As many preachers say. Well, if this is the best life, we don't want heaven, do we? Heaven is to come. And if we've been set free from our sins, we've been set free to serve God. They say, well, this is your Christian liberty. Your Christian liberty is to now live. You're under no obligation. You can just live how you want. But the Lord says, no, no. No, 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 no. Verse 17. Verse 16. You shall know them by their fruits, so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. He says, my people, they don't listen to these false prophets. These false teachers, they bear fruit in their lives. And every tree, verse 19, that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down. Do you hear that? Cut down. Why cumbereth it the ground? Cut it down. And he says, verse 21, Now everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in it. You see that? It's the doest. <laughs> I often hear, and often, meeting with people, who profess to be Christians, they say, well, you point out something inconsistent in their, your li their life, and you're just concerned about it. 
And they say, well, well, everybody sins. Everybody's got some sin. But the Christian doesn't think that way. The Christian, when he's aware of his sin, he's grieved over it. And he doesn't want to carry on in his sin. He doesn't make excuses for his sin. The Lord says, if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out. If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. Why? Because it's cut off or pluck out or burn or be lost. You see, I'm only trying to warn you. This is the gospel. The gospel is not only believing on the Lord Jesus, and that's where you must begin. Let me say, it must begin by believing on the Lord Jesus, but it, it, it then means a narrow way. And walking in that way. And asking God. Galatians 4, 6 says, And because we are the children of God, God has sent forth His Spirit into our hearts. And when God's Spirit enters our hearts, there's a new life. There's a change. There's a radical change. I'm not saying perfection. But there's a crying out against sin. And there's a loving God. And there's a desire now to serve God. And to obey Him in the life. Now you notice it closes in verse 24 and onwards. With an illustration. Not only do we have good trees and bad trees, but we have a house that will stand the test of time and eternity, and a house that will not. And the house really is pictured here as a man's soul, as it were. Therefore, verse 24, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, or these teachings, that is all that has been teaching since Matthew chapter 5. The poor in spirit, they hear the word, they meek, and they mourn over their sin. They don't excuse their sin. They don't get their backs up. They don't get angry. And they hunger and they thirst after righteousness. Look at the Beatitudes, there's eight of them there. They're called the Beatuses, meaning the divine blessings. God has blessed them with a new spirit. They have that spirit. It's not an a la carte menu of a pick and choose. Well, I'll be a mercy. I'll be a poor in spirit. One day I'll be this. No. One flows from another. Each of those Beatuses, they flow one from another. Now notice here, he closes this final Glorious Sermon on the Mount with a picture. And I want to close with that here this afternoon. We have been discussing and preaching on what it really means to be a Christian. First of all, let me say, he says in verse 13, you've got to enter through the narrow gate. Let me say that. It is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone that saves a man. But when he saves you, you know there's fruit in your life, my friend. There's first of all, the fruit of repentance. Indeed, repentance is what? It's turning. Repentance is not sorry. When the Lord, and indeed John the Baptist saw the Pharisees coming, he said, ye hypocrites, go and bear fruit, meat or worthy of repentance. And here you see a repentant life. You see a changed life. 
the one whose turn. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, notice that, doeth them, is the doer. Is not the self-deceived, I will liken him unto a wise man. We're not born wise, friends. But you see, the Lord Jesus Christ has made for us righteousness, wisdom, and redemption, and sanctification. We see that to walk in his word is wise. And this man, he hears the word of God, and he does the word of God. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Now the Lord Jesus is that rock. We know from the Psalms. Indeed, the Psalm 92. To show that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. David said in 2 Samuel twenty-two forty-seven, The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of the rock of my salvation. God, you know, you've heard people say, well, You've heard a young woman say, well, concerning a young man, that man is a rock of my life, meaning he's always there for me. That's what you might mean by somebody. That person is a rock. And when they're taken away, the person feels the loss. But here, the person is building his life upon Jesus Christ, the rock. The rock of ages that was to come. That rock spoken of in Isaiah 32. And a man shall be a hiding place. A rock in a great wilderness. The Lord Jesus is that rock. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, doesn't he see? He says concerning that rock. And remember Christ, his picture there in the Old Testament that he was struck. And water flowed from that rock. And Paul said, you know what? That rock was Christ. The person, my friend, that hears Christ's word, hears the word of God, and that person's life will not fail in this life. That person, one day ultimately, will stand before God. Because the Lord will not fail them. And because they truly were saved. And they truly love the Lord. The wise man is the one who loves righteousness, the one who loves Christ's way. In Isaiah 35, we have spoken of there the highway of holiness, wherein the redeemed walk on. It says there, the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as in heart, speaking of the Lord when he would come into this world and he would heal the blind and the lame and so on. And it says, and the parched ground shall become a pool, speaking there of people who were dry and barren before. And the thirsty land springs of water. And then it says, and a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. My friends, this is the narrow way. When he says here, enter ye in by the narrow gate, it leads to that narrow way. And it's called the highway of holiness there in Isaiah 35, 8. Let me ask you that question. Do you love the Lord? Because if you love him, you're going to love holiness. 
You're going to hate anything that offends him. You're not going to make excuses for your sins. Because when you look at Calvary in your mind's eye, you say, well, that's what my sin did to my Savior. How can I live any longer unto it? How can I carry on in this sin? How can I sin? How can I live like the world? The Lord has saved me. This world is passing. And, and the whole, look at the, look at the ethos of the world. The world lives for itself. The, Lord, the, the world ignores God. The, the, the world says, it's your own body. Do with it what you want. It's not. It, God gave us a body. We are his creatures. And your body, young people, is God's. Therefore, you don't tattoo it. You don't fill it with drugs and alcohol. You don't abuse your body with cigarettes and all kinds of substances that you know will harm you. You don't go to places that you know will dishonor God. You can't live that way. You live now to God. And you live Christ's way. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And truly, if we are Christ's, we're in his body, the church, and we care dearly for the church, and we love God's people. And we're not prickly. And somebody says, brother, I see that little moat in your eye. Do you mind if I address that? You say, please. Please tell me my sin. Because if it's offending my God, I don't want it. If it's offending my brethren, I don't want it. If it's offending my Lord, I don't want it. They concerned for holiness. And they concerned to the live, to the glory of God. But you see the fool. Notice the fool here. He hears the word of God and doesn't do it. Now think of this fool. He thinks he can say, Lord, Lord. And he thinks... God doesn't see what he does. The fool thinks God doesn't see anything. But he does. The fool doesn't hate sin. The fool is the one who has no regard for Christ. Who is the Lord Jesus? My friends, he's the Lord of glory. Is the very creator that came into this world and yet became man. That's what the incarnation is all about. God becoming man. There was no other way that he could save his people. And then, not only living for them, but dying and bearing their punishment there upon the cross. But the fool says, well, you know, it doesn't matter now how I live. That's not the Christian. The fool has no regard for Christ. And the fool thinks the Lord doesn't see how he lives. But God sees how you live. And God sees how I live. And we must remember that. God's people don't live perfectly. But they do this one thing. They confess their sins. And as Proverbs says, they forsake their sins. He that confesseth his sins and forsaketh them shall have mercy. 
Why? Because of the Lord. The Lord died for such people. And they hate sin. Close again with that quote. There can only be two basic loves, friends. As Augustine said, the love of God unto the forgetfulness of yourself. Or the love of self unto the forgetfulness and denial of God. God's people will not deny him. The Lord Jesus said, I will be glorified in them. And that's even in this life. Pitiful and poor we feel our lives to be. We will glorify him. May God give you all the strength. And may you see the difference between a true believer, friend, and a false one. May you be the true by the grace of God. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. You go if you're not saved. It's not about doing good works. You don't begin there. He must make you new. He's the door. Father said of the Son that he would give him a people. And the Son said, all that the Father gives me shall come to me. If you come as a sinner, and you acknowledge that you have nothing, nothing to offer God, you simply plead, God be merciful to me a sinner. Amen.